Hey everybody, it's me, it's Lenora um, from It's a New Dawn. I am an RN holistic health coach and I have been on a spree. Lots of, lots of recording going on over here in my little tiny home. I'm kind of cold today. It's uh, October 18th, 2020 and I am in New Jersey, if you guys didn't know that. And it is, I don't even know what the temp is, but I'm chilly, as you can see. I've got something up around my neck, which if you guys know me, I'm not like that. I'm so not into the things around my neck because it's so uncomfortable, but I'm gold. Anyway, so today I am sitting down with actually somebody from TikTok. The last few uh, podcasts I did actually had them from Facebook, but uh, Debbie is from TikTok. And I have a little family over there. Excuse me. I have about 8,000 followers now, but which is in TikTok land, kind of small, right? You think? Debbie, you agree? You're you're coming up. You're coming up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's okay. I don't really care. I'm just having fun. Um, I'm trying to spread good and kindness and a little bit of fun doing my quirky little thing. But Debbie is one of the people that I have connected with. And is Debbie Eason? Am I saying Mm -hmm. it right? Okay, Debbie Eason. So I'm going to read, read, and this is the only thing that I do. I have been asking everybody coming on to give me a short little bio because I truly do not know these people. So we start that way, but then there are no scripted questions. I, you know, we just kind of, ebb and uh, ebb and flow in the whole uh process which i like you know so anyway debbie her goal is to bring more awareness to the different aspects both recognized and unrecognized involving domestic violence and the abuse cycle she is a survivor of domestic violence and has always said that if her story can help just one person escape their situation or help a family member to better understand how to support someone who is in an abusive relationship then everything she went through would be worth it um and I like that. I also like that um, even if she helped one person, and I've said that before earlier when I started recording my podcast, I really don't go in here with any agenda. I just, I know that people are being helped from the podcast because I've gotten so many direct messages and people reaching out to me. And I've always said, even if it's just one person, and when I say even, one person is just as important. Because that kind of flowers out too. So Debbie, I'm going to turn the camera over to you and you just start wherever you want to start. All right. Well, Laura, I just want to say thank you first that you're allowing me to come on here. This is actually my first time to come on like a podcast or anything and actually talk about um, what I've been through in, in more of a public forum. So um, most, of, most of the time, I'm just kind of talking one-on-one with some people and um, maybe two or three at the most. So this is kind mm-hmm. of a new thing for me. So if, forgive me if I get a little uh, kind of all over the place on it. I did not 
like I told you earlier, I didn't fill out anything. That's okay. So. <laughs> that's okay. This is real life, everybody. Yep. Absolutely. You all, know, you all know that I've had my issues like, oh my God, my light goes out or, or, or like the audio goes, you know, but you know, it's life, you know, it's okay. We'll just, just do the best we can. Right. So yes, absolutely. Oh, I did want to tell you, so you're cold up there. It's like 90 degrees outside here. So I actually have my AC on. So oh my I would, God, I you're in Texas. To be right? a little cooler. Yes. She's, West she's Texas. in Texas. Right, right, right. West right. Texas. So okay. desert. Yay. <laughs> we, we actually hit 100 last week a couple times. So it's okay. Wow. Wow. I actually uh, like this weather, though. I like being yeah. chilly a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully it'll come pretty soon. Um, so I guess where I'll start is we're just going to kind of go a, a brief overview of how. Uh, so many times people, people meet someone who's been in an abusive relationship and that's one of their questions is how did you get into that? And so for me, that answer actually didn't come for a while. Like I didn't figure that out um, totally in the beginning, even coming out of that relationship. Um, and it, it kind of made me hard, made it harder for me to realize that I was in an abusive relationship, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but I actually grew up, I was raised in a, in a cult style church religion. Hmm. And so um, I, I have learned since going through this process of healing through, you know, healing through the trauma and stuff of that, that that actually was the beginning formative time, as well as just lately realizing that I was raised also in a narcissistic family environment. I had never realized that until quite literally about two months ago and so that's did a you whole other story <laughs> well yeah, going I, through, how did how did you figure that out well going through I mean recognizing the cycle finally um and putting it you know I, I've been doing doing some sessions with Dylan Sessler who is amazing if if y'all don't follow him you need to go follow him on TikTok and Instagram well, he and all was that on, so, he was on my podcast yep. yeah mm-hmm. he was yeah mm-hmm. it's awesome um so I've been doing some going through some sessions with him and walking through some of some of my story and and kind of trying to figure out where the missing links are and I just it came down um that I, I just kind of realized just watching my dad's behavior one weekend when I was there and actually just sitting back and recognizing the full cycle of what that was um and recognizing his behavior was like I, he, he was a, he's a narcissist and so that actually is, has came to you know I've had to make some very serious decisions personally because of that and I did actually um decide to go no contact with him due to due to some some issues there um when I was coming to that realization you know he actually threatened me physically <laughs> Not, your father and it was like the, fa- yes yes oh. and so through that process you know I, I realized that it was just not something I needed in my life anymore and he you know he is what he is and I'm walking through dealing with that right now mm-hmm. <laughs> realizing that my entire life has been a grooming process in in many ways um, right right so yeah so anyway that's kind of the backstory of bringing it to how I got into an abusive relationship um mm-hmm. I was, I got together with, with my ex and I'm not going to use any names here. Um, no, no, no. Just, just, anyway. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I got, 
into the relationship with him in kind of an odd way. Like I was, I was 17 um, and he was a little bit younger than me. And, and I kind of met through, through another family member um, is how he kind of came into my life. And it was, he really wasn't anybody that I would have been attracted to in, in the sense, you know, he wasn't anywhere near the normal guys that I was attracted to. It was just looking back now I realized that he started love bombing me from the first day so if you if you know what that means in the realms of so in the realms of of abuse love bombing is like they show you a ton of attention like immediate I mean always always on you with attention with gifts with this kind of stuff and for me um I had never had anybody show me that kind of attention before um Mm -hmm. at home at wherever I'd never had somebody just actually show me attention and so that sounds really bad but in in that young state of I just want somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where was your mom in all of this? Like uh, you, you talked about your father, but what about your mother? Oh, that's a, that's a subject we're working on. <laughs> so, oh, okay. um, she, she was there. I mean, my parents are still together. So that kind of brings in a whole other realm. Honestly, I don't want to get into today because I'm still okay. working through some of no, that. No, 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 that's okay. But yeah, that's she okay. was it's your time. Yeah. So she was, she was there. Um, I will say that she, but as far as the church atmosphere, that was my mother that pushed that. My dad, he's went to the church, but it gave him a way to control the family. It was just another way for him to, to control things. And mm-hmm. so he was never full in on the church. Like, but my mom was like, I mean, everything had to be by the church. And so it was kind of coming in from both, both ways, as far as the, the grooming and the, um, setting you up in essence for getting into that type of relationship basically being being bait for somebody that was so yeah so for those who don't know what grooming is yes do you want to put a definition I I know what grooming is just because I was groomed and if anybody knows my story with my abuse yeah so but for those basically yeah basically a training process a mental training process that kind of sets you up to be uh, to be um more vulnerable to that type of behavior and that type of a relationship to come in and for your your grooming was um you know for in the sense that i'm talking about the grooming was more of being set up for a narcissistic abusive relationship mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. being acceptable and not it it was actually in some senses acceptable because that's all i knew to make you think to make you think that it was acceptable that's right. what the grooming was. And not, right. And to not question that behavior because right. it's the only thing you'd ever known. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's normal for you, mm-hmm. even if some, you know, and so we got, we got, we got in a relationship, got pretty serious, very, very fast. And like I said, he started before the time that we were dating, giving me gifts and love, you know, love bombing and like just showering me with attention what what I understand now is that's actually a big red flag. I mean, y- if they're not leaving you alone, that's a problem. Like if they're not giving you space, that's a problem. Okay. And- <laughs> now you were you said you were seventeen. I was seventeen. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How old and was he? Is he? He was uh, fifteen, almost sixteen when we started when we started dating. Oh, so okay. like I said, a little bit younger, but he was so the where he was then he was actually. Uh, an emancipated adult at the time, or, or pretty soon after that, he became an emancipated adult. 
Um, and I say that strictly because uh, like for me back then, it was really kind of a, a strange situation. Like we didn't, we didn't do because of the way I was raised, there was certain things I wouldn't do in a relationship. Like we didn't live together immediately. It was, in fact, it was, it was over a year after we started dating that I, that we moved in together. And it was just kind of a thing that happened. We had two apartments close to each other, but we ended up staying. Um, mm-hmm. And so things didn't, there were certain things that didn't happen um, for a while, you know, mm-hmm. we would kiss and other things, but I, I did not sleep with him for, um, it was over a year and and actually wow. and he did he didn't like force he didn't like force you to do anything he didn't like put any stress on you about that oh there was always always stress but for me it was like a sin you know like, like okay I'm well, gonna go to hell if I do this type thing so that was so let me ask it. let me ask you something though because men okay. are men I'm sorry yes. I don't mean to do say that but no well, you know um <laughs> For a whole year, and at that mm-hmm. age, he didn't—he didn't like bother you about it, quote unquote. And was he like when he did not—I hate to say this—did not get anything from you? Sorry, you guys. No. Was he? Was he mean? Was he like? Did he give you any signs that he would be a mad, like this mean person if he didn't get what he wanted? Oh, so okay. So let me preface that by saying when we did the first time, he raped me the first few times. So it kind of after, rolled after, that, but you, I didn't. after you waited a year. Yes. It he, was kind he of a, was a like, forced... ah, forget it. And but during that year, this is important. There's a reason why I'm asking you that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, was he like kind for that whole year? I'm just saying a year to me for a man, and especially at 17, or like that's like you know, whatever. Was he nice to you? Was he kind to you during that time? Was he like, all right, that's all right. Like kind of upset, but not like didn't hit you. Didn't like cause any issues during that year. So this will go back to, to the process of abuse and why you stay in these relationships. Right. Cause that's what I'm saying. Cause if he was nice, you're like, wow, you know, it must be hard for me, but at least he's being nice. At least he's like not forcing me. Right. So it well, must have set it must have set you up where okay, he's nice. He's a nice guy. Part of the grooming process, I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Is so, yeah. So, so for me, because and this is many people's idea. Abuse when people think like domestic violence, they they think actual physical violence. Mm-hmm. And the truth is the many many times the the mental and emotional and uh, the mental and emotional and financial these kinds of abuse the unseen abuses are far far more damaging than the physical ones and that's one thing I've always said my body heals really quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> every time mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? it was mm-hmm. what was up here but that was during this process he was grew of course I found out later too so let's go back to that I found out later too he was cheating on me the entire time oh multiple people so for him that wasn't oh, no. a and I didn't find that out till I left like it's a miracle like God protected me I will say that God seriously protected me in many ways okay. um because I was so naive the way I grew up so naive um and and that was actually detrimental to me like I understand trying to shield your children but I will tell you in this day and age you cannot cannot allow your children to go past 
five or six without understanding certain things. Uh, that sounds super, super young, but I think you would agree with me. Yes, I do agree. I did that. I did that with my children. I did that yeah. with my children. And that's why uh, I wouldn't change my past because it did make me who I am right today, right. but it did, it taught me to be way more aware. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things I did on when I had told my story to uh, Billy D's um, on his podcast uh, conversation, being open with your kids, making them feel that it's okay to talk, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, having um, uh, meetings like family meetings, like, okay, whenever you feel like giving them that trust back and forth and respect that they feel Mm -hmm. that they can open up. And let me tell you, my kids, my kids knew that the talk, (laughs) young because of what I went through, you know, and I, you know, sat down with them on their level, looked at them in their eyes, you know, it's so Mm -hmm. important, everybody. So important. It's uncomfortable, but it is so important. It's, it's a lot more uncomfortable. You'd rather have uncomfortable than have your kids grow up and you have no idea what they're going through. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, sure. and so that actually kind of opened I'm, I'm not going to talk too much on this because because it's but I actually was abused as well at a very young age like two three four range mm. um it's not I'm something sorry. that I necessarily I know happened because of behaviors and I dealt with children who had had that kind of stuff and I'm starting to remember stuff now going through this you know, the healing process and, and, and the, just walking through this process, I'm starting to remember some things. How old are you, Debbie? But, huh? How old are you? 38, uh, 39. Okay. Just turned 39. All right. Well, <laughs> just so you know, yeah. I didn't start coming to the, my memories until I was 35. Yeah. It happened when I was nine. So there's events that happen in your life that just kind of trigger it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and up until the age of 50, I'm almost 56. I remembered more and more mm-hmm. and more, you know, so it's very normal for that. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what's starting to happen now. Just like a, just things are opening up. It's almost like a Pandora's box. So you got to just kind of breathe <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to what it as it mm-hmm. comes. Even, even when you know it's coming, sometimes it's shocking the stuff that you remember. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but so that, that kind of set me up for some of it as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay where do we go back where, where do we leave off here I'm trying to remember he was grooming you yes. and you so, had told me that just that I knew that he was cheating the whole time yes. because my question I don't think we really fully I know I'm, <coughs> I'm harping me. on this a lot audience no, go but ahead. to me it's like he was grooming you by being okay with you not wanting to do the stuff yes. that he wanted so would you agree with that? I don't think. You... Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You... Because, okay. because here's the thing about narcissists. And now I'm going to say this. I do not have a medical degree, but I have done enough studies to, to know. And I believe that my ex was a sociopathic narcissist, um, okay, which is, is a whole. So when you think sociopath versus psychopath, psychopath, basically, they're just, they're just crazy. Like, you know, you know what they are. Um, when they go off, they just go off with a nurse, with a uh, sociopath, they actually 
appear normal. They are highly, highly intelligent. They know how to play the game. When you meet them, they're like the last person you would ever imagine that that was this way. They know right. how to play the game and it's and it is a game to them to figure people out and to figure out how they can use them within mm -hmm. their little their little system. Mm -hmm. because, and that's partly narcissist as well because the narcissist, I mean, everything is about them and about how it furthers their agenda and how it helps them. But then the sociopath, like with him, he was, it, it, it brings it to a different level for him. Many of the, it, well, and okay, so I'll go into this too. <laughs> sorry, no, I'm jumping sorry. around. Take your time. Because um, we haven't, it was, it was after, um, after he raped me the first time. So, and, and the crazy thing about that is I didn't recognize that as rape till I got out of the relationship either. When I realized I was literally telling him no while he's doing this. Wow. And I didn't recognize it as rape because of what he was saying to me right. while he was exactly. doing it. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say that, but I'm it's waiting for very, you to say very it. confusing. Uh, <laughs> so no. Incredibly wait, confusing. How old were you? How old were you when um, this happened? At, at that time, I would have been 18. Okay. So, um, I think 17. Yes, 18. And and here's the thing too. Like he would he would part of part of the abuse grooming process is making making you believe like that there's two of him and this is actually something that many um especially narcissists use but many abusers will use the terminology the good me the bad me or the good guy the bad guy and so you literally start talking this way and this is and this that was he was doing that before that happened too before he rapes me and he would he would actually um you know he'd flip out but he hadn't touched me yet either as far as physical physical abuse it mm -hmm. was after that um that he hit me for the first time and it was an open-handed slap it was within a week of him raping me too so you okay. went from having zero physical abuse so I'm not sitting here recognizing that there's a problem with this relationship is that part of the grooming like they wait a certain amount of time because it depends I on I believe it depends on the abuser some of them start really fast well what um, I'm saying is like um, let me gather my thoughts here I've been through a lot of stuff I don't think mm -hmm. I've been had an, anybody as far as a narcissist so this is kind of new to me but um if they groomed you for a year and then all of a sudden they hit you then in your mind it's like this never happened before. This is out of the ordinary. So it's not going to happen again. I don't know if I'm right or right, wrong. Well, but then that's why you stayed with him. And then it just gets worse and worse because you're so used to the guy and the whole, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm not explaining it right, but. No, you, um, to some extent, yes. So with him, and, and this is this is my experience in there, that is that when he, I mean, he slapped me. And then he's like, I'm like, what the crap? Like, what the crap? So one thing with an, an, an abuser is they begin to realize when they've stepped, th that's part of it. They're pushing the line all the time, constantly pushing that line of where you will allow you know, your boundary lines. So it's, they're constantly, it starts here and they just constantly do this yeah, over and over and over. Yeah, that's pretty much what I meant. Yeah. And so that's explain it in a better way. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's where 
where that came in, he, he slapped me and I was like, whoa, no. And so immediately they said, oh, I'm so sorry. You, we were talking right, and right. you made me, you made me upset yeah. and I couldn't help myself. Right. And of course you're already like, maybe it is my fault. And so they tell you how they've been triggered. Right. Which right. usually goes back to, he had a, and I, this is one thing too. So Dylan's helped me with this a lot, having empathy for him, because not in the sense of having a separate empathy for who, who, what he had been through previously, because he mm -hmm. did, he had a very, very bad time growing up. So like, I can see the pattern of how he became who he was. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, but that, but and, and also the that. pattern of how you are, you, the way you are, because right. your father was a narcissist. That's right. really all you knew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was expected behavior. This was not, <coughs> this was not, um, this kind of stuff I saw happening at the house, except, mm -hmm. you know, in a slightly different way, because each, each abuser has, has their little things that they do, you know, that they tend to stick with more. Um, mm -hmm. And so for him, he would actually use, well, my dad killed my mom because his dad did kill his mom. We don't like, it's never been proven, but she disappeared. Oh. And he was the only one there. Mm. <laughs> he killed his mom. You know what I mean? So oh. he, he went through that when he was seven. Oh. You know? And wow. so, but he would actually use that. They learn how to use their own story for course, their benefits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, well, I'm, I'm just not been, saying, whatever I'm not it is. saying, I'm not saying it makes it right the way he was to no. you. I'm just saying, I, no. that's horrible that that happened. But yeah, that doesn't mean is. that he, has, <laughs> he doesn't mean he has to treat you the way he's treating you. Right. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. Like he, he pulls in everything he needs to, but with, you know, I am an empath. So this is something, this is something that he, I mean, abusers love that narcissists mm -hmm. love that. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it feeds them. So mm -hmm they will use that. But look what I went through. I just, I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't want to become like my dad. They'll use that. Yeah. He used that, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> during, mm -hmm. during this process. And so that first time I was just like, whoa. And then, you know, he went, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. And get literally get down on his knees in front of me and beg and cry and stuff like this. Like, this is what I went through nonstop from, I mean, every single time but each time it, it got further as far as when the apology would come how long the what we call the honeymoon process which is where the nice guy comes out because that's what actually pulls you back into the cycle so you have this cycle of you have this honeymoon period of super nice your gives you gifts brings flowers home to you mm -hmm. you know takes you out tells you how beautiful you are and how amazing you are and all this stuff and then there comes that day where he comes home from work and he had a bad day at work and not somehow your fault, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. whatever happens to trigger him that day. And so that cycle, you know, it starts off kind of half and half good guy, bad guy. And then the further, and this could be a woman too, because I'm just like men go through this too. And that's something mm -hmm. that's not talked about a lot. There are men that are abused and there's such a stigma around, I mean, there's enough stigma around me talking about what I went through versus a man talking about going through that. Do you know, it's really weird, Debbie. Yeah. I, we, we're both empaths. Yeah. And I was thinking this very thing when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. about men. Like I, I was making a mental note 
we need mm-hmm. to, at the end, address that, make Absolutely. it clear that this can happen with men too. So. Mm-hmm. We're and on that, the same page here. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the, so mm-hmm. that cycle, that cycle, and if you can recognize it as a full cycle and recognize every single uh, every single action, good and good, and I use quote, quotations because in an abusive relationship, the good guy is just what he they use. It's just a persona that they use to pull you back in so they can control further. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so if you view it as two separate people, that's where the disconnection comes in. And that's where it makes it so hard. And this goes for, you know, for somebody that's listened to me that has a family member in this, you have to understand that this is, this is what you go through constantly. And not only, not only are you going, okay, what did I, did I set him off? Oh my gosh, what did I do? I don't know. I don't know what I did. So I've got to fix it. Mm-hmm. And and oh my gosh, but I love the good guy. The, he's so wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. And so you get confused on the good guy being who he actually is. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. It is always the bad one or the abusive one that is in control. And he uses the good one. And like, I, I keep using that terminology because they actually use that terminology. Okay. So, so what do you suggest people say this? What do you suggest people to do? I mean, do you have any advice on that? I mean, what for, for I know there's like, yeah, for like, um, well, let's, we'll talk about that at, when you're done with this whole, I don't want you to lose track. I, well, I got <laughs> no, no, no. I, don't, I want you to keep going with this yeah. because um, obviously you got out of it. And, yes. you know, of course I want to know how that happened and what kind of work you had to do to overcome that and. Yeah. Give some, give others some ideas of what they can do. So go ahead. So, okay. And I'll kind of speed through, I'll try to speed through a little bit on, on the process. Cause I know we're kind of have a certain amount of time, but um, we don't have a certain amount of time. Okay. Alrighty then. (laughs) We don't. I mean, Um, I don't like to, this is everybody else's fault. This is the world's fault. We have no attention span. It's very true. It's hard. It's so sad because we're both on TikTok. A lot of the people I've talked to are on TikTok. We have either 60 or 15 seconds or somewhere in between there. And past that, and even 60 seconds is way too long for people to pay attention to a TikTok. It is very sad. When I'm trying to get in something very important, like I'm doing a fundraiser and I'm trying to talk really fast and I'm like, it's ridiculous. We all need to that's why we need restorative yoga. We need to come back to some sense of calm and, and, and have patience. But anyway, I had told Debbie in the beginning, I usually, I don't like to go over an hour just because people just have no attention span, but I'm not like set on that. Just that. you. Yeah. So go ahead. So oh, we, okay. we stopped at, you were, abu- I mean, he hit you. So yeah. then go ahead, go from there. So- that's where he, that was the first time he hit me right there. And that was within the same week of raping me. And once again, like I said, I didn't recognize it as that. So I just kind of accepted it in as part of a relationship. Like for me, I'd never had a serious relationship before. And so for me, this is the only thing I knew. This was, I I just kind of literally in my head went, well, I guess this is how it, this is how it goes. Mm -hmm. That's kind Mm -hmm. of, like yeah. it's not ideal, but I guess that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, and that also com- that thinking also comes from the the church the the cult environment that I was raised in because 
and that the man whatever the man says goes period mm-hmm. that's it well we're, we're parallel on that we're parallel on that too with my yeah. abuse with the priest um my mom and dad used to always say god's gonna punish you uh blah 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 yep. so when this man was abusing me those were the words he used you know you can't tell anybody you know god's gonna punish you he knew he knew how to to groom me and get me and um it's all I knew yeah it's all I knew so in my head I'm like oh I don't know maybe he's right exactly what you're saying is different but the same like you don't know any better or you learn that growing up that's all you knew yep so it's very sad it's unfortunate and it's another reason that you know for parents who may be listening to this or somebody who's who will be having a child coming up to a certain age like you have to talk to your kids about this don't you can't be afraid because if they don't if they don't get the right answers from you they're going to get it somewhere because somebody will somebody will make sure they get and 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 many times if they don't understand what that looks like and what it's supposed to look like versus what it could look like you know um it's Take note, people, this Very is the second, second, second time we've been saying it during the podcast. So it is extremely, extremely important to yeah. have open communication with your children. Yeah. And, and I will say it on that note as well with children. And you can attest to this too, I'm sure. There is what's cal- called acting out behaviors. There are certain things that children will do out of character, such as um, what may be deemed as inappropriate behavior towards towards a family member or, or, you know, a, whatever towards mm-hmm. anyone, frankly, in animal, their life. animal to, they act out the anger and stuff. Yeah. In so those either, ways. In, right. For so me, it was, for me it was, yeah, for me, it was bulimia, but nobody knew about it yeah. for six yeah. years, but right. it's act. It is a form of acting out because of that yeah. anger and sadness and wanted to get rid of this pain somehow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you just have to be aware. My parents had no clue. It's crazy, yeah. crazy looking back. Yeah. Uh, it's like, they, they're they so. like, well, they're just, they're just misbehaving or they're being rebellious or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> excuse me. Like this, this is, if your kid is acting out of character, there is something wrong. Figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Ask questions till you get an answer be careful. And, and like you've already, I mean, in your podcast, talking about your story, many times the people, you know, the people who are doing this thing to your child is somebody that you know, and trust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. many, many yep. times. It's not 100% yep. that, but well, many, listen, many times, yeah. I don't think a kid ever said, <coughs> my parents talked to me two months, said no child ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my parents sat down and had family meetings way too much in my life said no child ever so yeah there you go absolutely um it's it's very imperative that you talk to your children so imperative and and if you don't have children if you have younger siblings talk to them especially Mm -hmm. if there's a big age gap Mm -hmm. talk to them give them a place to talk and to be Mm -hmm. able to voice the stuff that's happening um mm-hmm. and we keep jumping back and forth from childhood to <laughs> I know I know I <laughs> I, I, I think wanna, it's necessary I, yeah it is necessary that, that's like everything right there uh talking to your kids um yeah I want to I want to know what happened after the first time he slapped you then 
Yeah. This happened. So, this kept kept happening, right? Yeah. So it was. It actually escalated after he hit me the first time. It, the physical violence escalated pretty quickly, and it started happening on a very regular basis, like every other day and stuff. Just different things that he would do, and and so with him being a, a sociopath type of personality. Um, he actually, so back then I didn't bruise very easily. So for him, it was a game to see what he could do to me for me to bruise. And so, and he would do it in a way that I didn't always have to wear, um, long sleeves and this kind of, there was a few times where that did happen, but he would usually keep it above in this, you know, the upper part of the arm, my back front places that were typically covered by clothes. That's where he would, he would keep the abuse you know, the physical violence against me so that it wasn't blatantly obvious to anyone. And it was a game to him because we'd be out in public after he did something, I'd be bruised my entire back and he'd come up and he would, even in those times, he would like, like poke me in certain areas to make me hurt out in public, knowing I wouldn't say anything. Like, and like this what, happened. What, did he, did he say, if you say anything, what did you tell anybody? Oh no, no. no. This how, is... how come fear? So part of it being, I had really had, I, I had, so let me back up. There was one person I kind of talked to it about, but, and this goes to when you're friends and family of someone going through this, you need to give them space to talk. You do not need to be sitting there going, and, and let me tell you, my, my best, my best friend growing up, she was, she was someone I could talk to, to some extent, and she recognized some of the stuff that was going on, but for her, she didn't know what to do about it. So she was like, like, I, I can't deal with this. And I, I have no, you know, she and I've talked about this since then. Like I have no anger towards her at that. She did what the only thing she knew how to do. She was also raised in the church that I was raised in. So she had no tools to know how to deal with this. You know, she just didn't go through it the way I did. And mm -hmm. um, so for her, she's just sitting here. It's almost like many times watching a watching a, a drug addict, because mm -hmm. a lot of times that's how it works. Um, you know, it's kind of how the brain works, actually. It is kind of like an addiction, which is also one reason it's so hard to leave. It mm -hmm. literally rewires. And I can actually get you some information on this if anybody's interested, like, there's been scientific studies that they do scans of the brain of, of a person who is in an abusive relationship and someone who is in a healthy relationship. The, the synapses in the brain literally fire differently. They take different routes. Mm -hmm. So quite literally it changes the way the brain works. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, so when you're coming out of that, you have to rewire your brain again. You literally right. have to rewire your brain again. So how um, did you rewire your brain? Did you well, have therapy? I'm still working on, frankly. <laughs> oh, all right, but we're always working on things, Debbie. Right, like, I, I, will, right. I work on myself every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. To, That's be, to, be, to be the person that I am without the medication, I don't take a uh, oral medication, and I'm not mm -hmm. saying don't. There is a place um, for everything. But for me... My medication is my yoga, my fitness, nature, my food. My food is my foundation, uh, clean water, good sleep. Uh, my, I don't know, uh, 
did I say yoga? Yoga. Yes, um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but that may sound like the woo woo or woo, you know, woo woo no. stuff. But that's my medication. But I have to work on that every day, just like somebody who puts a pill in their mouth. Yeah. That if they didn't have it for a couple of days, they'd go a little. You know, it's not good because their blood yeah. levels on a certain level, and I'm the same way. So yeah. it's we are we're gonna be. We work on it every day. It's just life, but it's okay. It's good. Yeah. And in the meantime, you're sharing all this important information, which is so necessary. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing here. I don't, like I said, even if just one person, just, 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 but that leads to so if many If one others. life is saved. If one right? life is saved. It's very important, that one life. Yes, absolutely. One life. So go ahead. So you said you're still working on it, but what, what triggered you to like say enough is enough or should we back up and is there more that we need no. to know? Yeah. So let me, let me finish out the story real quick and then we kind of go into that. Cause it's really kind of funny because I had always, even growing up in the way that I did, I had always been kind of questioning, like questioning ideas that I were told to believe. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of this weird paradox of in some ways I was constantly going after new information while having this other part of me that was locked in this cycle in multiple parts of my life, mind you, because we're talking him. And then if I went to talk to my parents about stuff that, that brought in, uh, you know, other, the whole narcissistic environment on that side too. Mm -hmm. And so my dad had his own ideas of, you know, he would act as if he cared. Now I realized that that was just part of his cycle. Mm -hmm. that, you know, so-called caring about what happened to me. And I, and some things would happen that would confuse me. And, but now I'm seeing it. It's like, you know, you look backwards, it's like 2020 vision and, you know, um, on many things that, mm -hmm. that happens. But anyway, so, um, like I said, the abuse, the abuse continued to get worse after that. I mean, like it was constant on a, you know, sometimes daily basis and definitely on a weekly basis, uh, something was happening. Um, some kind of violence was happening in our house and it was always, you know, come back on me, like what I did to cause him to do this. Mm -hmm. And we moved, so we moved from that place that we were in and we moved out to, um, Fort Worth. We're living in the DFW area, moved out to Fort Worth to this one apartment and it got really, really bad there. Um, multiple things happened and I don't want to go completely into it, but I will say at that place um, was a couple things happened. Um, and see, this is where I'm like, God protected me in many ways because when, when we got over there, he was, he had, you know, we're in Texas. We all have guns. He had some of his dad's old guns and he had been cleaning it and something happened. He broke something on it or whatever. Couldn't put his gun back together. And that actually ended up being a good thing because he probably would have ended up shooting me in one of our fights because he oh. actually pulled it. But like, because it wasn't working, he actually, it was a, it was a shotgun and he actually came after me. And that time I actually, we were on the second story and I went out the second story window. Oh, like that man. was my only way out because he had actually blocked the entrance to um, and I guess we should have said trigger warning on this people. <laughs> like, oh. So I apologize oh. for it. You're going to have to put a trigger warning. Um, he had blocked the door to the, the, the only way out of the room. 
And so my only option was to go out the window. And so I did, I went out the freaking window, like oh, and wow. jumped what was actually ended up being about two and a half stories because we were on the second story, but there was a, oh was my God. On that side. So, so anything happened to you? No, I, I almost hit my head on the brick wall that was behind the building, but I came like this close. Like I said, I mean, God, God for, for God really did protect me during this time. I mean, there was so many things that could have happened. Um, and then not too long after that, I had, um, I ended up losing a child because, and, and this is one thing that I've realized late lately is that I had always said he, he beat me up that night. And I lost the child. I did not know I was pregnant until I lost the child. Like I had suspected, but it wasn't something I wanted to know the answer to yet. Uh-huh. And so I had not taken a test. And, um, but I ended up having a miscarriage. <coughs> and I had always said it was my baby. He didn't know anything about it. And what I realized not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, is that it just kind of came to me. I, I got to thinking about that particular night and, and the events that happened. And it was the only time he beat me up in the manner that he did, which was he punched me in the stomach. Then once again, trigger warning, warning, like I fell on the ground and he started kicking me in my stomach and did not stop for like eight minutes or so. Oh my God. Yeah. You think so, he knew you were pregnant or something? I think he figured it out now. And that's what I realized now. Like I never put two and two together that that was the only time he did that. And so I think that, and I have eight no min- eight but minutes. This is what I'm sure? But I know, like I was going to say, eight minutes would feel like hours. Yeah, well, and it did. So, but but here's uh, the thing too: when he was in that, this was another thing. As spiritually speaking, he was. I am not joking you when I say, and I think there's probably a scientific thing to this too, but when he would flip out his eyes, I'm not joking you, his eyes would go black, like they would change color. And so when he was in that state, he was, I mean, you talk good and bad. This was a whole different person. Well, you know, pupils, pupils with the adrenaline. Yeah. They get bigger. So right. They probably were like saucers. Was he on any drugs? Um, actually not, not really. As far as I know, like he, he was actually, when he drank, it was actually a good night. Like he would chill out. So it, now, and I say that I do not have proof that he was never on anything. It's possible. It's absolutely possible that he was taking something a lot heavier, you know, than I knew anything about um, <coughs> just because of behavior. So I don't know that for sure. I never saw him take anything. And anybody that I know that I still talk to never actually saw him take anything. Okay. So, but I mean, the possibility is there, of course, I can't, I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. I just know, know what I know. And as far as mm-hmm. I know, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, but so after we moved out of that place, we moved down to, well, this is also part of the process. So let's talk about this before I go in. Part of the abuser's process is to alienate you from anyone and everyone that actually cares about you. So this mm-hmm. is also where if you're a friend or a family member of someone who is in this, do not abandon them. Because part of the process is this people going, oh, they don't really care about you. If it came down to it, they'd leave you. But that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Because you have people that are like, I just can't take this anymore. I don't know what to do. You won't help yourself. And the truth is, you don't know how. And you literally 
can't Mm -hmm. until you get to a place where you're like, I have to help myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you don't think you really don't think that you think you're the problem. Therefore, why should you be leaving? You need to fix what you created because that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of part of that process. And so he really got really heavy into alienating me from, from family members. I mean, from my, my sisters to my parents and uh, even my best friend that I grew up with. And she was the last one to go actually. And like I said, she and I have talked about this. So this is not anything I do not hold. I totally understand why she did what she did. Um, but that being said, if you are a family member, you have to understand that sometimes you have to look at the situation and go, I don't know what to do, but you need to let them know that if you call me, I will answer and I will be there. I don't, I'm not going to force you to do anything, but I want you to know that I am here and I am not leaving you. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with what you're, with you staying. I mean, you can even say that, but I'm not abandoning you mm-hmm. um, because after we left the place in Fort Worth, we moved to a place called Seagoville, which is just south of, of Dallas area, um, south of 20 on Dallas, kind of a way out. It was hour and a half from anybody that I knew. And that was part of that alienation and that um, isolation process. Because once right. I got out there, he made me quit my job. <coughs> he would control all the money. Um, so I couldn't go anywhere without his strict permission or somebody, him or somebody he knew being with me that he approved of those are the only people I could have any contact with Mm -hmm. and so I was out here in the middle of nowhere and then I wasn't allowed to make friends with the neighbors I don't know he may have went around and said stuff to the neighbors who knows what he said to them that's possibility Mm because they'll do that too um and that's the place where I left him out 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 of Seagoville and so during this time like the alienation continued because my dad well in once again knowing what I've realized now this is all part of that his process as well he actually came and took my car away because it was in both of our names and like he had signed with me on my car and because I didn't have a job or anything Daniel wouldn't make the payments and I couldn't make the payments so in some instance I understand why my parents decided to take it away for that matter but it left me with no way to leave it mm-hmm. left me with no control whatsoever. And so I'm literally sitting here in this house with this guy who is constantly doing stuff to me. <laughs> like, at this point, how yeah. old were you at this point? Um, okay, so 20. So oh, yeah. I left him. I left him the day before my 21st birthday. How'd you do that? Like, how did you get the strength to do that? Any therapy? Did you like, like how, I want no. people to know. Yeah. Like, it's possible. Yes. Did so you for just, me, re, did you just get the strength from inside. What? So what happened with me during the week before I left him, several different things happened. It was, it was like a week of freaking nonstop abuse. When he was home, I was getting it. And at one point during that week, he actually, he got mad at me about something. I don't even know. I, it was always stupid stuff. And, but of course it was my fault. <laughs> You know, you know, mm-hmm. and he literally tied me to the bed like this for half the day. One time, no food, no water, no nothing. So I w- couldn't leave the house. Mm-hmm. And during this time, he's around the house. And this was a little tiny place, almost like an efficiency style apartment that we were okay. living in. And so he was constantly in and out, just doing whatever he was doing in there, talking to people and watching TV and stuff. But he'd come in there and he'd say stuff to me. 
um, you know, <laughs> just constantly in part of this process, when I was tied to the bed, he looks at me and he goes, you know, I could just, there was a door in, in our bedroom, like right here out to the woods. Cause we kind of lived out in the country at that time. He goes, that'd be a good place to bury you at out there. Uh, and he started saying stuff like this. Uh, and so fast forward to the day before my 21st birthday, what started that fight? So he had friends, he had friends, um, his best friend at the time and that guy's family over at our house. And I had mentioned to him, um, in, with our family, sorry. Um, in our family on our birthdays, we would go to mom and dad's house and ha- on Sunday of our birthday week and have whatever it is we wanted for our birthday dinner and that kind of thing, do birthday. So I had, while the guy was there, I had mentioned to him that I wanted, I was planning on, you know, we needed to go to mom and dad's house for my birthday dinner because mom was cooking, you know, my birthday dinner and we're in, so the family, that family was sitting in the living room and we were kind of around, around the corner in the, where the washer and dryer were. And he literally grabbed me by my neck and just starts talking to me in this voice. They, they have a thing, like it's the way they look, the way they talk to you, this certain tone of voice. And he's like, we're not going to your parents' house. And I said, I want to go see my parents. I hadn't seen him for like a month at that point. I hadn't seen any of my family for like a month at that point. And I said, I want to go see my family. I need to go see my family. This is what we do every time they're expecting us. And he walks around the corner and looks at his best friend and they could hear what was going on. Looks at the guy and tells him, <coughs> he goes, y'all need to leave. That's all he said to him. And the guy was like, okay, come on, let's go. Wife, kids. And they had two, two boys and the youngest one was, uh, I want to say probably 11. Mm-hmm. And he and I actually were pretty close. Like he really liked me and he would come and hug me every time and everything. Well, so we walked them to the door and they walked out the door. And in one, one motion, Daniel slams the door closed and grabs me by ne- my neck with his other hand and slams me up, up against the window that was right beside the door. Well, the 11 year old heard it. And he jumps out of the truck to try to come help me. His dad gets out of the truck, picks him up, throws him back in the truck and drives off. Oh. (laughs) Watching what was going on in the window. Like, and so, so a bunch of stuff happened. Like he drug me to the room. He liked to drag me by my hair too. That's one reason, like I used to have really long hair and I, I prefer, I actually like it short now. So I do what I want to with it at this point but when I left him that was one of the things I I I went from hair to my knees chopped it clear up to here like that was one of the first things I did when I left Um, but um so he actually drugged me into the bedroom and then started beating the shit out of me over the bed to the point where I actually got a blowout fracture to my left eye I have a plate in my eye now um because it was so shattered when they got in there that they could not put it back together so they had oh to actually God. put a plate, a plate in my face. Um, but when he did it, when you get a blowout fracture, what happens is your eye, your eyeball, and this is very graphic. So I apologize for anybody that might have issues. Your eyeball actually falls down into your sinus cavity because your sinus cavity is right here. And so you actually see double like this, which is what happened immediately oh when he God. punched me in the face. 
And I went, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something like I started freaking out. There's something wrong. Stop, stop, stop. There's something wrong. And he actually did stop. Um, punching me at least. And he's like, oh, you'll be fine. What's, what's happening? And so I told him, I said, I, I'm seeing double, like there's something seriously, seriously wrong right here. And once again, I feel like this is one of those places that God protected me because he stopped doing what he was doing at this point. And it gave me a, a moment to breathe. So what he does at this point is goes into his, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. I'm so sorry. I did. He goes into this realm because the entire state of the room had changed. So now he's got to bring it back around. And so then he proceeds to try to, I mean, this is within, now I will tell you some of this for me felt like it was over minutes, but really in all reality that day, what happened throughout that day was about six hours. Mm -hmm. um, but what he did right after that is he got a tie and tried to choke himself in front of me oh, after he did yes. that. <laughs> so this tur in turn goes, I have to take care of him. Omo, don't kill yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So <laughs> it's a, it's a cycle, right? It's like, part of it's all cycle. about, it's all about him. Yes, absolutely. Right? We have to turn it, you know, cause no, I mean, not that, oh that your eye went into your sinus cavity. Yeah. That. Not that I was like, seriously. And by the way, I was bleeding all over the place at this point too. Cause he had busted my nose. So I'm sitting here bleeding out and he's sitting here pretending to kill himself. Now here's the, here's the paradox of that. I knew for a fact the way he was doing it, like it was going through the, my mind at this point. This is where I had already decided I have to get out of here because while he's busting my face up, he said to me again, I have a place picked out out back for you and I'm going to bury you in it. I believed him that time. I finally believed him. And for me, that was what I needed. I needed to understand that he was going to kill me. And I decided I wanted to live. You're lucky then my... because this is not the story that I hear from a no. lot of people. You know, you a lot of people will stay and I don't know if I'm right for sure. But I know that I think a lot of people stay in these kind of relationships for a long, long time. Yes. So for yeah. you to see that. God was there for you for that. too. Yeah, absolutely. So it was I mean. It was a very clarifying moment for me because I, I literally did it. It was going through my head. So he's sitting here in front of me while this is going through my head, trying to kill himself, which he wasn't because frankly, the way he was doing it and doing like this without tying it to anything, you might make yourself pass out, but that's all there's going to be to it. Like it's not going to kill you. But what had to happen, this is the paradox, is that I had to go, no, 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 don't do that. Everything's going to be okay calm down. You know, this is what I had to do. I had to play his game. Right. Because if I didn't, he would actually kill me that day. I knew that that was something I knew I had to create a way for me to get out. And that was to keep him calm and play his game and pretend like I'm believing that he's actually going to die right in front of me by killing himself, by doing something that frankly would not have killed him, <laughs> you know? So what um, did you do to get so out of there? I got him calmed down. And like I said, this went over a couple hours. He finally took it off his neck and he's like, okay, come here. Let's get you cleaned up. So he goes into cleanup process. 
and he he literally sets me down he he gets me some water and then gets me a rag to wipe my face and then he decides that there's too much so he runs a bath for me and then proceeds to help me bathe all the blood off of me <laughs> and so when I got out I was sitting here thinking the whole time like I need to get him out of the house because there's only really there was two doors in the house but the other one really didn't open um there was so there was really only one way out of the house and <coughs> he was staying right there beside me because he knew how far it went this time you know and so I finally after getting out of the bath and everything I looked at him I said I need something to eat and thank goodness we did not actually have a lot of food in the house we hadn't gone grocery shopping so I was like he's like well what do you want you know I can run down and grab something and so once again playing this game I'm like I want Taco Bell because I knew how far Taco Bell was and I knew that if once he got down I could get out and start running I just find somebody I just go you know find a phone because I didn't have a phone at that time either I didn't have a right. cell phone or anything right um so he um he takes the bait for lack of a better term gets in his truck and so he gets in his truck and I'm watching at the window where he can't see me and I see him and he gets down about a block far enough for me if I could get out of the house and he still saw me that I'd still be able to go somewhere and he started down that way and I saw him, him hit the brakes and I knew that he realized what was going on oh and he flipped the truck around oh shoot and I the only thing I had could grab at that time was my driver's license. I couldn't even grab my purse. Like he had, everything was everywhere. So I grabbed my driver's license and what money I could find out of my purse, stuck it in my pocket. I opened the door and I started running towards the house on the other side. So he, and, and mind you, I'm still like, I mean, I'm can I don't even know how I ran, frankly, because right. I was so shaky from everything that had happened. Like I was in trauma, like I was in fight or flight mode. That's how I ran. Right. <laughs> Just right. straight adrenaline mm -hmm. because I had mm -hmm. no energy. Mm -hmm. but he flipped that truck around and came back and I knew this was my only chance and wow. he jumped out of the truck caught me at the end of the house and tried to drag me back in the house and I started screaming now mind you there's neighbors out watching all of this happen men men they did nothing oh my god as he's oh. trying to drag me by my hair back in the house oh my god and they're just sitting here going just like watching. Oh, wow. And so I finally somehow got away from him. Like he almost got me back in the house. I mean, I was, I, it was, I knew if he got me in the house, I would not live through that day. Like I knew this at this point. And so I finally somehow got away from him and got to the neighbor's house. First neighbor wasn't home. So I ran across the street to the next one and he's following me. Mind you, he is right there. Right. But he knows if somebody's that close watching and this oh, person like, opens up the door barely is like, can I help you? I'm like, I'm sorry. I, you know, and I go into explanation mode. I fell down. I'm sorry. I need to call. I don't have a phone. I need to call, you know, my family. Can you help? And he's like standing right behind me. And they knew, I think that person knew something was going on. And she <gasps> goes, you can come in and use the phone, but then you have to go back outside. You can't stay in my house. Oh, <laughs> so. And I actually, this is one of the things who I should have called was the police. I did not do that. I called my sister who was an hour and a half away from me and told her, I, 
I told her straight up what was happening. So that person actually heard what was happening. Um, but what I did is I told my ex, I told him, I called the cops and I looked at him and I said, you better leave or you will be arrested when they get here because the cops are on the way. So he didn't know who I was talking to when I was saying what was happening. Oh. Um, and my sister was like, I'm on the way. She called the cops, okay. she called, you know, different people. And they all called the cops actually. Um, and so, um, she headed my way. She went and she, it, it only took her 40 minutes to make an hour and a half long trip. So that should tell you mm-hmm. how, how, mm-hmm. Fast she, mm-hmm. how fast she was coming. Yeah. And that's her adrenaline so, going. Right. And so I looked at him and said, you need to get out of here because you're going to be arrested when the cops get here. They're on the way. <laughs> this little bastard <laughs> gets in his truck and looks back at me and goes, I love you, Debbie. And drove off. That was the last thing he ever said to me. I Before, love you, Debbie. And what? I love you. I love you, Debbie. And then he drove off. Like, that's what he told oh me. That was the last God. thing he said to me. That was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Drove, so when my sister got there, I ended up going to the hospital. Of course, thank goodness, because they said if I would have waited till the next morning, I could have died because of the infection that can happen so fast in a, with that, that type of an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's really, really, really super dangerous. <laughs> so because of that, they were actually able to amp up the type of charges that he ended up catching from it. Um, and I did, I did take it to court that time and in the state of Texas. Now, if the, and it was right about that time that this started, the woman can go, I don't want to file charges, but the state is now free to take up. The prosecutor is now free to take up the charges on his own if he wants to. And that happens a lot more now here in the state of Texas. Um, it's not just up to the victim and that kind of protects the victim in many ways too, because, they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but so that's, that's the day I left. And yes, I will preface that by saying that is not what happens to many people. Like for me, that I was know. my story. And for so many, <clears throat> for me, I was finally like, yes, I, he controlled all the money and stuff. And I lost a lot of stuff because when, because by the time I got back to get my things from that house, he had sold a lot of it. I lost things that I will never be able to replace. Um, he had sold it. He had burned a lot of stuff. He had thrown a lot of stuff away. And so, but that was just for me at that point, I was like, whatever, I ended up getting rid of a lot of the stuff that we had had together anyway, as part of my process. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 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 Trashed it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, many people, especially if they have children, it's a lot harder. Um, because you have to make a plan. And that was one thing I wanted to talk about too, is that if you are in this situation, you have to understand some of these, just some of what's going to happen afterwards, especially if there's legal proceedings, if there's this kind of stuff, if you have kids, make sure that you talk to somebody that can help you make a plan to get out and do not ever tell him that you're making a plan ever, ever, ever. Because like that's going to trigger you're, him into like, a different level. Like, yeah, like you're gonna be sorry. I'm making a plan. Right. Don't something ever, like ever, so. Nothing. Yeah, I wanna. I wanna. And I did. I would talk for a long time, but like I said, it's it's. I want people to really listen to the episode. So from there, can you tell me where you are now, and can you give any advice to others going through this? 
Okay. Can you repeat the first question, please? <laughs> where are you now? Like what now, you know, from that point, if you can condense it and tell me where you are now. Oh, where and I am then... now? Well, I'm many, many years out of that relationship. Right, However, right. This, is, this is the thing too, is it's taken me, and, and this is also partly because of some of my previous trauma as well. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that have happened to me too, it's taken me this long to, I still had nightmares of my ex. I mean, I left him in 2000, 2002. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this has been a very long time for me. And I had nightmares up until about four years ago, mm-hmm. like active almost nightly. And that's, that's on PTSD and stuff like that's, you know, right. so now I don't how did you get through that? Those. Did you get therapy? Did you, did you have therapy? Did you have good boyfriends? Did you, did you, you know, I how... honestly haven't dated much since then. Not much at all. Like I've had a few here and there. Um, but it's not, I, it was one of those situations where I knew that, that this was not fixed. And so I can't bring that into, I can't okay. either because I don't want to get into another relationship like that. Now I know that I will not. All right. But, but this is it. Your goal is to. just, your goal to be on here is just to help others then right. to avoid. Absolutely. Um, what is your support system? What's your support system? What's your community? What, how do you get through this? Cause I talk about it all the time, big foundations and total health, wellness, and mind, body, and heart is your support in your community. So So what has brought me through? I did go through traditional therapy. It did not do much for me. Um, They did try to put me on medications. I'm like you. I don't like medications. I do not take them unless I absolutely have to. Let's let's make it clear that. Yes, I am not not, a medical uh, professional. Yes, but not even (laughs) only that. We're not saying that there's not a place for medication. It's just our, our preference. Personally, yes. Um, And that's, that's, that's exactly, that's on me. That's my personal preference and how, how I did it. It's not, not everybody can do it that way. Um, And that's between you and your doctors, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did go through some traditional therapy and, but much of it has been personal development. So a lot of my process has been personal development. I have had a lot of counseling at my church as well. Um, but even then in, in there's many ways that, that traditional, both traditional and both in spiritual or church therapy, they do not cover everything that you need to cover within this. I think there's big, there's a lot of big holes that do not cover because some people don't understand this process. And I love the pastors at my church. There's nothing against them, but there was only so much they could do because there was only so much they actually understood or they choose Mm -hmm. to understand, you know? Mm -hmm if you're going to be dealing with people who have been through stuff like this, you have to go and search out the information for that. Mm-hmm. And so, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, one of my really, I've made greater strides this year than I have in most of the, I mean, I've, I've grown. Let's not, let's not negate what I have done. I've been in a constant growing process since then. I've always, like I said, searched for information. And so I've always been constantly trying to grow myself but there were things that I still didn't face until this year mm-hmm. that I just buried in the background, which is not healthy, by the way, do not bury it as long as I have, because it compounds silence, compounds your problems. Mm-hmm. It creates issues in your body. And I'm going to plug the book that Dylan always plugs waking the tiger by Peter Levine. Seriously. If you have been through anything like this, get that book and read it. Mm-hmm. It has been a lifesaver. And I mean, it's had that and Dylan 
Sessler has been one of the things that's really helped me to walk through this and really face some of the stuff that I've needed mm-hmm. to face. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm finally <laughs> feeling like the pieces are being filled in after mm-hmm. all this time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a fantastic, fantastic place to be. So know that there is hope. Yes, it can be a long, long, freaking hard road, but know that there's hope that you can get there. Just constantly move forward. Don't be looking back other than to resolve things. If you're looking back to beat yourself up, don't do it. Don't do it. It was not your fault when it happened. Whoever pushed the trauma onto you, whoever did that to you, that is their problem. Mm -hmm. And they will need to answer for that. You need to move forward. And it is hard. Absolutely. But don't bury it. Because that's what I've done my entire life. And it's not fun. It will destroy you. It will kill you. <laughs> like, in Amen, ways. girl. And you know what? I don't even have to ask you for the last words of wisdom or advice <laughs> because you, you just you just gave it. And uh, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt your th- flow there because that was beautiful and it's so very true. So, on that note, girl, where can people if they want to? keep in touch with you or I don't know if you have a website or anything. I don't know if you do or. So I have, um, uh, I have TikTok, of course it's Debbie underscore Eason. And I'm sure we can put all that down there. Uh, IG yep. is dream weaving realities. I do have a Facebook under Debbie Eason as well. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and we can put all that down there. Really. I don't get on Facebook nearly as much as the others. Um, there's a few groups that I'm on, on, on Facebook that I pay attention to, but for the most part, I kind of get sick of Facebook. So TikTok, TikTok and IG are the best ways to get a hold of me. If you okay, and to. you said and that book was feel free to ask anything. Uh, th- thank you so much. Um, the book is t- Taming the Dragon, right? No, Waking the Tiger by Peter. Oh, Levine. oh my God, where did I get that from? <laughs> well, I mean, it's somewhat the same, you know, Taming the oh Tiger. Oh my I mean, God, Taming the Dragon. <laughs> Waking. Waking the tiger? Yes, waking the, the tiger. Heck, where the heck did I get that from? Holy moly, that's like that's not so even funny. on the same page. Well, I mean, that's kind of the same idea. Holy moly. You're oh going Game God. of Thrones on us. It's okay. Is that on Game of Thrones? Because I love Game of Thrones. Well, dragons are, you know. I know, but was that like a line on there? I don't even I know. know. Oh I my God. Know. Anyway, hang out for a minute. Okay, you guys, plugging myself. So my Google number is 609-429-4058. All my links are below. That Google number is free for you guys to just reach out to me if you need me. Uh, if you have any ideas for the show, if you want to be on the show, any feedback. You know what? I never say this, but... I would really, really appreciate it if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, if you subscribe to uh, my channel on every major, po- uh, every major platform, all the links are below. I would really, really appreciate it. It helps me, you know, um, if you can give it any kind of st- uh, five-star review, uh, comment, share it. Oh, would really help me out. And I would really appreciate it. I've never asked that before, but I am now. Uh, the Roar Bar. All right. I am not, they don't sponsor me, but I'm an affiliate and ambassador. 
And I am going to talk about this bar every show because it is something that I eat daily. The only package good I eat. 10% of their net proceeds go to Feed the Hungry Children Worldwide, owned by Jake and Rachel, very young couple in Minnesota. And they care. They definitely care about people. Um, all the ingredients are organic, except for the almond butter, which are trying to make organic. Um, they are vegan, but uh, they are good for every di diet. Protein packed. They have about 18 to 22 grams of protein a bar. Uh, 11 to 13 net carbs, so they're low in sugar. Uh, no artificial sweeteners. Um, put together by coconut oil, good for the brain. Coconut nectar, blackstrap molasses, a little bit of Himalaya salt. Please use my affiliate link, which is below, because it helped me a little bit, helps them, and I would really greatly appreciate it. On that note, Debbie. I'm glad we got this done because I got her in. Somebody canceled for today's podcast, but I was able to get her in. I appreciate you. I know it's going to help too. a lot of people. Everybody have a wonderful and blessed day or wherever you are in the neck of the woods, night, morning, whatever. Take care, Debbie. All right. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.